You're listening to the Brazilian guy who likes to blog, the teacher, the musician who tried writing short stories, and a lot of people were disappointed with the kind of uh, vocabulary choices that were not accessible to the general public, or uh, is this even English? I'm here to talk a little bit about education. I'm here to sum up a few concepts that I've been studying, but I hope it's not going to be boring. I'm also here to talk about the importance of podcasting in today's landscape. A lot of English learners, a lot of people who want to communicate internationally, but face problems of culture clashes and uh, lack of confidence, not being able to express themselves clearly or uh, with enough freedom so that they can defend a point of view, so that they can tell personal experiences, so that they can bond and be listened to. But here's a few things I want to talk about. I'll try to make this quick. If you're here, you want to know um, basically what uh, these uh, areas of study that I'm going to mention uh, deal with. So here's a few things that I'm going to talk about. Curation, number one. In the context of technology, number two, algorithms. Everybody's talking about that. There's many documentaries uh, saying uh, what the platforms are doing to make us consume content and tailoring our experience. We are going to talk about supportive networks. Supportive networks, number three. Uh, what we can do to make sure that we are giving value to creators and sometimes our friends who are starting a new project and need somebody to uh, share their ideas so that they can have the reach that they deserve and they're looking for. Unfortunately, that sometimes involves money. I'm going to talk about education a little bit. Uh, that's number four, and try to give my perspective on some of the things I've been observing. Number five, text and image. I want to have a brief discussion on something that was a theme of research, academic research for me uh, in the master's level. And lastly... Music and audio. How we see podcasting, how we see music today, and also the habits that some people have of sending voice recordings instead of texting or taking pictures or making videos. So... 
let's uh, let's try to sum up each of those things. If you were a student and if you were asked to talk about one of these topics, you'd probably prepare a text, rehearse. Student of English, okay, as a student of English as a second language, you'd prepare a text, review your grammar, do your research, check pronunciation. Uh, on Google in a dictionary that most dictionaries have a an icon you can click on to listen to a native person speaking the quality is not so good but you have the phonological transcription and of course if you're not lazy you can find out how to pronounce that word uh, aside from that you have to be uh, aware of things like your teacher is not so good at, for example, filling up blanks and pauses and silences and not stuttering so much. Um, you have to be comfortable with the idea of presenting your, your content in public for a general audience. And that's not, not everyone... Uh, is comfortable enough to do that but uh, the idea here is to give you a general picture of uh, uh, things that actually the, 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 what I wanted to do was to blog about each of those themes because I think I'm better when I'm writing a text than when I'm speaking but uh, this is a, an alternative for students who are interested in, in, in thinking about the possibilities of second language use is something to serve as a model for teachers. It's something that if you know me on social media, sometimes gives you a little bit more perspective on who I am, how I think, and it serves many purposes, but uh, it's nothing, um, it's not a super production. I'm here sitting in bed my guitar on my side and looking at a piece of paper <laughs> thinking about the, the, the stuff they want to talk about but enough about that I don't want you to waste your time so let's talk about curation a little bit curation is a concept that uh, I, I started to 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 see after I had finished university and I found out about this blogger that I have as one of my biggest inspirations, which is Maria Popova. Maria Popova writes a blog named Brain Pickings, where you can find lots of commentary on philosophy and literature and poetry, activism, uh, and a little, bit, a little bit of science too. She also is an amazing photographer. She has a book published, um, which is called Figuring. Another one, I'm not sure if, 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 if I'm going to get the name right, but uh, one book is dedicated to uh, how uh, to poetry and making sense of the world where we live in and, and, and our experience in the world, uh, intersecting different ages and different times of writing 
and and connecting ideas. I think it's a it's, it's, it's very interesting work that she compiled and published in a book called Figuring. Uh, and if you have an Amazon account, you should probably look into that. Uh, if you don't, check out her blog. There's a lot of stuff there. And she's kind of a workaholic. And that's one thing about curation. How much you're doing in terms of searching for uh, content to share. And, of course, what's your intention with that? Do you just want to get likes? Do you want to make people aware of something? Do you want to start a movement? Do you want to pressure people into uh, 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 taking actions uh, or, or in a different different way of thinking about this whole thing? Um, uh, start a call to action, right? Um, there's a difference between, for example, uh, talking about, let's say, climate, climate change, and retweeting Greta Thunberg, or sending an email to a representative uh, that is in office uh, talking about the necessity to solve a problem be it like uh, illegal deforestation or, um, you know, uh, things like, uh, uh, I've heard many people talk about the, 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 the water in Flint, which is a region in the north, north of, uh, of America and the Canadian uh, border, uh, which is a city that, that many people say that doesn't have clean water. Uh, questions of sanitation, but this is not really about the, the. It's more about the environment. It's not about the specifically about climate change, but um, things like that. There's a difference, I think, between uh, retweeting something, for example, tweeting about something, posting about something, or even watching a video and giving giving it your like, and directly, actively uh, interacting with the person who is responsible for taking action for uh, uh, on, on, on this uh, this kind of issue, right? One example. Um, as an educator, I uh, would have a lot, a lot to say about um, pedagogical materials and what's being proposed uh, for high schoolers. Uh, I'm not sure if I can talk about K through 12 because I have little experience with the, uh, I have no experience with the public school except my own studying there. But uh, I have little experience with the teaching preteens and teenagers. Teenagers a little bit more. But uh, pre-teens, not so much experience, so I don't feel very comfortable to talk about the pedagogical materials for that. I would uh, probably be interested in talking about um, the, the, the roles of visuals and, and, and intersections between text and image and, 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 and audio and, and making a, the, the academics say, have been saying for many years that we have to face the multimodal environments and explore 
as possibilities, but uh, that's too academic. Uh, and, and to make it easier to understand, there's no problem if you think about a class project that can be translated into a TikTok, for example. Not gonna ask your 12 year old to talk about, uh, you know, the importance of, uh, I don't know, recycling, for example, and uh, write like a 500 word essay on, on that. And that's, 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 you're not gonna do that because it's not really a good idea. What's he gonna do? He's gonna probably gonna Google something and copy paste it and that's it. But uh, maybe your student has something to say about that. I'm not sure if a 12-year-old would, but maybe maybe they do. And uh, you can collect an experience and you can collect original content, uh, authentic content and something that is not, uh, uh, you know, a transcription of, of material that has been made available um, through any means, right? And the means is a different discussion because um, every city, uh, schools are, at least here in Brazil, are organized in the public sector and into the the, the 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 city level and state level, right? Uh, but uh, each of them have different materials, and there's not one uh, national. Uh, material available for everybody to use. Uh, there is something in the United States too and in other countries, I'm sure they follow some kind of uh, of rule that uh, in America, South America too, uh, let's not have a discussion about that because that's going to take long. Uh, they, they call it the common core, right? The common core. Uh, well, thinking about out of all of that, uh, when we think about curation, curation can be made in the many forms that social media has taken. You can share a message through TikTok. You can share a message through Instagram, through Twitter or Facebook or YouTube. These are mainstream platforms. But you see a lot of people sharing, for example, stuff that they saw on other platforms on Snapchat, for example, what they're doing is they had access to a certain kind of content and they are sharing it with their network. This movement is curation. You're saying, I think this is good and this should be seen by more people and selecting what is good and what is not. This is curation. Right? When you go to an art gallery, there's a curator, moderator, if you will, mediator that will uh, guide your experience of interpreting the work that is being exhibited. Right? We can think about social media not in pretty terms like that because we know that most people are just sharing memes if not other things but uh, everything that we see we because of information overload of course we know that there is 
something that you your friends will probably like something that you want to say because it's personal it has a it has a Uh, a, a strong you have a strong connection with the subject and uh, something that you think is important for people to discuss and then in the end and that's the other side of curation your timeline your own profile is going to be filled with these things and not your own thoughts because I'm talking too much I'm going to pause a little think and help you think about this question Is curation the same as creation? A little bit more time to think. Is curation the same as creation? More questions just to tease you. How about people getting paid to do this kind of thing? There's a structure for curators of content. Uh, some people, uh, of course, you would call, you'd say that sponsorships have a certain kind of structure, but we are not familiar with these structures. Here in Brazil, for example, we have um, a collective, a group that um, looks into YouTube videos to see who is monetizing the person who is making those videos. And if these videos contain any kind of offensive material or, or, or prejudicial or, 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 or violent content and incitation of violence and uh, uh, hate speech, they contacts the people responsible for financing the videos and they say well do you really want to give money to this person do you think this is right and this uh, group is called sleeping giants recently followed them people remained anonymous for a long time but recently uh, shared their real identities and i think the work that they do is very important but of course you're going to talk about the concept of influence and what is being a digital influencer just google digital influencer you're going to find a bunch of articles uh talking about that but everybody has a different opinion about that and of course curation is not any academic term or, or something for the elite everybody does that And uh, everybody sees something cool and shares it. But few people think a little bit more critically about that, both in terms of uh, how much of your profile is dedicated to that and how much you are doing, uh, filtering what you see and giving an opinion based on what you've read, etc. And sometimes that's not so perceptible and not so clear. That's it for curation, but I want to talk a little bit about algorithms too. Algorithms, to be honest, what do I want to say about algorithms? Uh, I want to say that I don't freaking understand them. Uh, for example, I'm an English teacher. I'm here talking to you uh, uh, without thinking too much about what I'm saying. I'm just uh, thinking, you know, 
anybody else would do that. But uh, and please, please, please uh, don't 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 mind me being a little bit um, ironic here. But I've been seeing, for example, on my Instagram, a lot of uh, advertisements for teachers of languages. And I wonder why they thought it was a good idea to show me these ads. Because when they show you an ad, it's because you might be interested in buying a product. Well, I'm a freaking teacher, you geniuses. Why are you showing me that? And then one after another after another. Well, maybe they thought that if I took a, a quick look at what these people are doing, I would be able to perfect my work. I'd be able to improve my skills in video making and 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 in and, and, and public speeches and, and uh, content uh, selection, etc. But nah, man, nah. The, the, the whole thing is uh, you're, you're showing me that because you want to sell a product. And I'm a freaking teacher. So, of course, you're going you're gonna to think that there's something wrong with the algorithm, right? A lot of people have been uh, saying that, but uh, their defense is that if there's something you don't want to see, you have the option to hide the ad and not see this kind of content and give feedback to the platform, etc. Something that not a lot of people do. And uh, that's it. Unfortunately, we know that there are some ads that we don't have the option to skip. Recently, Spotify gave its users the option to skip after a few seconds so that they wouldn't be listening to the same kinds of things because that really... Uh, messes up with your whole experience on the platform. They realized that and they gave you the possibility to skip, but only after a few seconds. Three seconds, I think. But there are many things that... Uh, there, there, there are many good sides of uh, how organization of content can be... Uh, 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 can have can help you navigate through uh, different kinds of content that may be irrelevant or very relevant according to what you're looking for. Um, we all have to save time. We all want to save time. And we want to find good content. People who we really would like to spend our time listening to and learning from. Uh we also want to find entertainment. We want to find something that is really, actually funny. We want to find some someone who is really credible, who writes really well. We want to find out what's really happening. And so this whole question of organizing the, all of the content that's being created and selecting s some of it to be... Uh, promoted by the platform or featured in the first pages in the in the suggestions of these platforms they they, they have a logic and sometimes they help us very much um, if you click them of course if you're curious But of course, sometimes, uh, and there's many discussions uh, uh, being being 
being had on uh, how this impacts what we do online and how one of them is the question of surveillance and the other recently I saw a British uh, university using algorithms to define uh, the rate of success of a student and so this opens discussions that um, some people are not ready to have especially in underdeveloped countries where technology is not widely uh, I'm not going to say widely used because they are but uh, I, I am going to say that um, uh, there's a gap in, in how much we incorporate we have incorporated technology in our daily lives and um, here in Brazil I'm not sure if a lot of people would know first of all would speak English and second would know where to look for information and most people watch TV and uh, the people who are online uh, sometimes don't have enough literacy skills or sometimes uh, I have to say as a Brazilian and a thing that I observe uh, sometimes you're gonna see a lot of hate speech and and and, and a lot of uh, uh, humor instead of uh, serious treatment of the subject with topics at hand but of course um, it's not you're not online just to be a serious person right you don't have a page to share only serious information it's not such a thing as serious on the internet right except if you're talking about wikileaks and stuff like that but then you know uh, this uh is another discussion that uh maybe the teenagers in the room don't want to have i certainly don't because uh, i choose to learn about things that will make me feel good and more hopeful about possibilities to grow together as a society connected globally and not you know the kind of competition that leads a country to attack another uh, whatever their intentions are um, but to change a little bit of the subject uh, I want to talk about supportive networks personal experience I've dedicated my time for making music uh, to making music and, uh, and writing a little bit and I know that uh, for example if I would talk about my experience using platforms like uh, t teenagers do like uh, Omegle the site where you turn on your webcam and talk to a stranger would be one thing but my experience on Twitter would be another. I'm following a bunch of people, uh, institutions and people in politics and media and uh, influencers and companies. But I skip all the time. I don't read everything that I see on my timeline. That's one thing. And my experience on Omegle, well, sometimes I find a person who is there uh, ready to speak with you with a microphone on. 
and maybe make you participate in a YouTube video or something, or just looking for a friend or just bored or just, uh, you know, depressed, looking for people to talk to about a certain topic of their lives. And, and, and then what you find is just, uh, you know, kids who look at your face, think that you're ugly or not, and skip based on your looks. And it's a real thing. And we have to say it as it is. Of course, you have to spend a little bit of time on the platform to see how people are going to treat you. And then we can have this discussion, right? Uh, if parents knew what happens on Amigo, this would be one thing. Parents don't. Parents don't. So that's uh, something that we have to talk about. Skipping. Skipping is an alternative. It's, it's an excellent alternative, but it's also a very uh, curious indicator of the kind of society that we're living in. Um, if you look at your network and you try to think about how much time you've dedicated to see what your friends are posting and if you liked their posts or not comparing with the time that you spent thinking about what you posted and how many likes you got then you're going to get the whole concept of supportive networks because you're supposed to see what other people are posting so that they can retribute the attention that you're giving them, giving attention to you. And of course, if you're talking about the same thing, you can have a conversation. But sometimes uh, this turns into a, a question of who knows more about what, and it's a little uncomfortable. Happens a lot on Facebook and on Twitter as well. Oh, no, you're saying something. You're not. You're not well informed. But uh, the person is not going to say, "I believe you're mistaken." The person is going to say, "Excuse the language," but the the the, the person is going to say, "Fuck off! I, I, I don't. You're stupid. You're an ignorant. You're you're a piece of shit." And then from that down, right? That level down. And um, what can we do about that? I don't know. We can just skip this kind of interaction. But we know there's going to be a time when people are going to be interacting negatively with us. And there's not going to be an escape. Unless you log out. There's always the option of logging out. If there's not where you live, then it's more complicated. That's why I always talk about the fact that some underdeveloped countries uh, need to incorporate technology discussions with a little bit more awareness uh, because if there's something that doesn't represent a community value you're gonna feel this difference in the community where you live this has a lot to do with my personal experience What about education? Well, 
here's um, what I have to say. I had the plans of making a master's uh, degree focusing on education and culture and society. Um, education and culture and society. Uh, it's funny because uh, the, there's lines of research when you when you pick a postgraduate uh, 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 program and, and, and a tutor uh, who's going to guide you through the process of writing your thesis. And these lines of research um, define authors that you're going to read and basically the focus of your writing and your 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 research uh, and firstly my university of choice of uh, where i studied uh, as an undergraduate uh, from 2007 to 2012 i and that was literature and linguistics in case you didn't catch the other podcasts uh here in the university of sao paulo they had um, education education and society now is what they have but before it was uh, uh, education and culture education and soci- education and culture turned into education and society or language and culture turned into education and society now I'm not sure um, and there was a change. Uh, meanwhile, what I wanted to study was uh, the popularization of Instagram classes, teachers posting one-minute videos explaining basically trivia. Well, look at CNN 10. Everybody copied the same model. Look at TikTok. It's the whole theory of uh, uh, how much uh, how much information we can assimilate in a certain level of time and saving time. And uh, I need some water. Um, and and the whole thing about you know uh, making people more likely to click um, what you're. The content that you're that you're posting and uh, making it shorter so that people are more likely to watch or to read, etc. <coughs> and to share and to comment in education. This is particularly interesting because. Some of those people who started with the micro classes are now offering whole courses. And these courses are um, they are live events where a lot of people participate. And some of them pay. So we can talk about business models here, right? But <clears throat> when you're talking about education, 
Let's start again now that I took a sip of water and I'm feeling a little bit better. That's good too. Clear your throat a little bit. Uh, Goddamn, it just. Uh, that was gonna choke and die. But yeah, you talk for 35 minutes without stopping, and that's what happens. You, your body has a limit. Anyway, what I wanted to say uh, in regards to education is that uh, a lot of these teachers that I started seeing on Instagram, they had uh, one minute classes that turned into. Classes for a group of people. I'm not sure how they were thinking about the terms of payment, but I know that a lot of these people did did it for free. Uh, But of course, they had their side gigs, so to speak. I have a few people. Uh, I have a few people that I like to mention, uh, uh, and, and 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 I think they 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 do a pretty pretty good job. Uh, one of them is Mário Vergara. He's a reference in education here in Brazil. But uh, on the backstage, English teachers don't really like him. I have to be honest with that, right? English teachers don't really like him because he's really picky about pronunciation and in fact he just sounds like a guy who's just trying to make you embarrassed and pronunciation is a is one of the most important things um, about how people see you if people are really listening to what you're saying uh, and, and there's many things that we can discuss well for example if you Ask any English teacher, what's the difference between the British and the American pronunciation of this word? They're going to say, you know, it's this and that. They're going to draw the phonological representation of uh, water or water. And I, I tend to make fun of that because I'm not, not really uh, uh, adapted to the British context, let's say. <laughs> but... Um, and I've made I've made fun of British people speaking many many times in my life. I think it's 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 it's, it's, a, it's just a habit that I have to drop. But anyways, uh, especially because I think there's a lot of people there who 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 see what I'm trying to do and they they think it has value. But I kind of adapted my speech to fit into the context of American people speaking in general. And that's a choice that I made through my life. And uh, a lot of people don't really understand that it that it has to be a long-term thinking uh, practice and adaptation uh, uh, course, right? Uh, Vergara actually talks about this. He has a whole theory about, you know, you, you don't learn. He has a video, actually, where he kind of coaches us to uh, be aware that in reality, when you're faced with the situation where you have to interact for real in the space that is foreign, in the context and language that is foreign, 
it's gonna there there's gonna be a lot of difficulties and it's not the same as practicing as uh, with your english teacher so basically he says that it's the same as uh learning how to swim in a pool with a boy boy that funny word and uh <laughs> it's just an internal joke because my linguistics professor at university used to like this word and and mention it many times uh, because people had problems he was a specialist in phonology and he knew that a lot of people have problems pronouncing that pronouncing this word so he made it on purpose i mentioned but anyways um swimming in the pool and swimming in the sea where there's no protection if you go too far you die basically <laughs> and uh there's 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 animals around and uh you can be eaten by sharks and that's his theory if you don't practice you're gonna be eaten by sharks i think that's a little bit of an exaggeration but it works and so i'm mentioning this because the guy thought about something that made sense and some people learn with this kind of Uh, you know, um, um, uh, <laughs> this kind of rhetoric, let's say. Another guy that is worth mentioning is Javi Carneiro, who's doing a lot of uh, work with foreign uh, native speakers. Uh, and he has a very interesting platform. I looked at his content and its, uh, its basic level, which I thought it wouldn't be but it's 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 worth checking it out uh, very well produced videos and my favorite teacher on the internet uh brazilian teacher teaching uh i have two actually uh brazilian teacher three i'll say three okay uh teaching english languages in amarahuda who incorporated and might have made the same thing available now, taking sn uh, snippets of videos and showing examples of what they're trying to explain, phrases and stuff. Uh, this is very interesting, and, and, and she has an excellent presentation of the themes. Uh, some people say that she likes the pronunciation accuracy But I don't think that's a problem. I think people would actually feel comfortable listening to someone who remembers how the Brazilian pronunciation is and is not ashamed of communicating, uh, even though she has an accent. So that's a long discussion. I really like uh, Inamara's model of, 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 of content producing. There's a guy that I found on Instagram the other day. The other day, it was years ago, but uh, I'm not sure what she, what he's producing right now. But his channel used to be, his page used to be English with Derek, Derek English with Derek, English with Derek. Uh, one of the things he did did was uh, he invited a native speaker to have a conversation with him on Instagram Live. I thought this was a breakthrough and nobody talked about it. There are many things you can do. Of course, now Zoom is being popularized. This is now popular and the whole thing is different. But the one thing that nobody will get right ever 
is who you're talking to. Who's your audience? You're on the internet. You never know. You never know who's really listening. I'm here, sitting in bed, recording this episode. I have no idea. I have my Twitter is open on my desktop, and I have no idea of what's really going on. And maybe people have some expectations of me saying something about, you know, what's happening in politics today because of my activism and stuff like that. But I'm here recording an episode, dedicating my time to producing pedagogical material. Deal with it. Anyways. My impression is that... Um, uh, it's sort of a political issue when you talk about teaching a foreign language because we are supposed to be patriots. But then think about it. How popular is English? And how much gain, how much improvement, how much development, how much growth can you achieve using a second language to exchange ideas with someone with a different point of view and with things that you can learn and, and, and stuff to share with you that you can learn from to make something better or make people think a little bit more about a certain subject or just observe and, and assimilate and maybe develop some kind of empathy towards a mode of speaking, a mode of living, a mode of thinking, a mode of organizing. Benefits are many. But it depends. Do you want to learn programming language? Uh, listening to uh, an American teacher on Coursera, for example. Uh, give me a sponsorship, please. Learning about programming language from an American teacher because they've had tons and tons of, of experience with that. And, and you know, you have like... Uh, Yale uh, uh, classroom interaction recorded, available on YouTube for years and years, and you know uh, things are on a different level now. Or do you really want to meet someone and talk about like memes and shit and a Netflix series, or I don't know, you want to meet someone and develop maybe a relationship with that person? Depends. If you're a person who wants to learn about the programming language listening to the American teacher, you're going to have one kind of expectation. If you just want to meet people, have a good conversation and have fun, you're going to have a completely different set of expectations. So it really depends. And one person can do both things. But apparently, that's a big question that I raise every chance I get, companies don't make this kind of distinction because they have all the data on you and they know what you're saying here and here. They know your interest is here at this time of the day. They know your interest is there after midnight just to, you know, tease you. So is it up to you or is it up to the companies? 
But then we have this 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 whole question that we as educators have to ask, and this is social responsibility that the teacher has, and and you know, the 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 the, the question of being a role model and etc. Are we really preparing students for working life? Are we preparing for life in general? Preparing for what? And then you're gonna assess all of your teaching material and you're gonna think, well, this is useful or this is not useful. You're gonna make changes. Every freaking teacher makes changes in their class plans. Most teachers don't even have a class plan. That's the reality. Most teachers don't even have a class plan. Now, you come with a perfectly scheduled class plan with goals and with uh, uh, tips on how to address these issues, people are not going to like it because it's going to be too opinionated and everybody wants to do it their own way. You're going to throw it in the trash. That's what happened with me. Anyway, changing the subject, text and image. I want to talk a little bit about this because you have to agree with me that there's an evolution in, not in the sense of uh, being better, but uh, just a, a series of things that were a timeline of things, a time frame of, of events that uh, made, for example, text become superficial and image constructions and edits and 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 complex sets of uh, uh, combinations between text and image and and I'm talking about memes, uh, but I'm also talking about uh, deep fakes and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of things that have been produced mixing text and image and. If you look at the history of media, you're going to see that the mainstream media, the TV, uh, programs that we used to watch, that our parents used to watch are now news that we read are not on our news feed. And that has a consequence. It's not just a question of preference. It involves investment. And what grabs your attention is going to have an effect in terms of market uh, regulation even. Generation, uh, different generations don't really uh, grasp how this works. They're probably not going to watch TV. They're going to watch YouTube. But are we underestimating how much they want to learn and how much they want to engage in these kinds of debates because uh, I see a lot of young people retweeting CNN and Fox News for example in America or something that that happened in a global uh, news broadcast and, and and political memes and stuff like that and and, and and campaigns and stuff so it's not like you know uh, there's a there's a linguist that I like very much uh, I forgot his name now uh, uh, David Crystal from Wales that says uh, that there's a myth that 
teenagers and younger people use more abbreviations than adults. And looking at the data, he realized that this is actually a lie. That it's basically, you know, uh, thinking that uh, your 12, 14-year-old kid will type WYD and that's all they do, right? That's all they do. No, actually, they are recording screens, they are retrieving videos from other platforms, reposting on other platforms, talking to several people at the same time, making groups, participating in each of them, collecting audio, video, images, organizing them, putting them on separate folders, deleting them, reconfiguring accounts. They are doing a lot more than us adults. And it's time for us to recognize that. I had some other things to talk about in terms of cognitive uh, aspects and, 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 and discourse, but I'm going to skip on that just to talk about the importance of audio. I think... Music is a big part of my life, but that's not what I want to talk about here. And I just want to say that uh, for years, I've been insisting on the same idea that podcasts are going to have a very important role in education. Why do I think that? Because if you invert the relationship between who's presenting the content, if you make your student produce content oral content, you're going to see their real production, you're going to see their real ideas and their real difficulties. But some people have a lot more of an attention span when they're listening to somebody talking to them in their ear, let's say, it could be. With their earbuds, earbuds, instead of uh, sitting in a classroom filled with uh, people who they have to interact and think about the social configuration of the classroom versus sitting in bed, listening to a person talking to you and delivering you content. So it's a huge change in the learning environment. But you also have the question of messaging. When this becomes closer to what they're used to doing in the same environment, talking to a friend or to someone who they have a relationship with, then there are questions that are raised that are worth studying and we still don't have this kind of study because it's now being popularized. Anyways, this is this is basically what I had to say for years. Actually, I've been uh, showed this piece of paper to a, to a friend of mine. She didn't really take it very seriously. She just looked at my notes and said, "Well, what the hell are you gonna do with that?" And this is what I did with that. I just started talking, almost choked and died. Had to stop and came back to it. And just a few thoughts. Uh, I would have. Um, a lot of things to say 
about that and, and, and there's some controversy on some of the things that I said, but uh, it's out there. This is English 101 BR. I'm Ivo Escobar. And if you want to follow my content, go on Twitter, English 101 BR. You can follow me on LinkedIn, uh, slash Ivo Escobar. And my Facebook is there. And my Twitter is Ivo underscore S-E. All right. I hope you enjoyed this. Um, and we'll see... Uh, who's interested in having a discussion on these themes and the impacts that they're going to have uh, in society and families and, and in schools and, 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 and even in the technology industry. It's one person talking, but uh, it's a summary of many discussions that I've been seeing and uh, I hope you appreciate the the uh, observations that I made here. All right. Take care of you all. Thank you for listening. That's it for now.